Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Progressive American. I'm Connor, back with another morning podcast about the week's news from a progressive perspective. Welcome back to the show for consistent viewers, and welcome to the first-time viewers. I always appreciate new listeners, and I hope you enjoy the show. It is Saturday, June 5th, 2021, and today we have a lot to cover. Today we will be discussing Biden's speech at Tulsa, the Israeli attempt to oust Netanyahu, the investigation into Postmaster General Louis DeJoy, and news reports that show Trump seized multiple reporters' records. With that out of the way, let's get into it. On Tuesday, June 1st, President Biden visited the Greenwood neighborhood of Tulsa, giving an emotional and passionate speech to mark the 100th anniversary of the infamous massacre of 300-plus African Americans. The massacre, which began in late May of 1921 and ended on June 1st of the same year, is one of the worst acts of racial violence in modern American history. During the speech, Biden made several promises to protect African Americans and their rights, specifically announcing that Vice President Harris will be working to protect voting rights from the increasing voter suppression that has come out of several states. He also promised to provide federal funds to support minority businesses and to support efforts to reduce racial inequality in the economy. Describing the importance of remembrance, Biden said, We do ourselves no favors by pretending none of this ever happened or it doesn't impact us today because it does still impact us today. We can't just choose to learn what we want to know. The only way to build a common ground is to truly repair and to rebuild. I come here to help fill the silence because in silence, wounds deepen. And only as painful as it is, only in remembrance do wounds heal. The speech was widely praised as emotional and passionate, but also came with some criticism from the left and the right, albeit for different reasons. NAACP President Derek Johnson criticized Biden over student loan forgiveness, which adversely harms African Americans, as it is not included in Biden's recent plans, nor are reparations on the plate for a Biden plan for Tulsa. However, right-wing commentator Tucker Carlson has taken it in a completely different direction. In an episode of his show, he falsely claimed that Biden said that white Republicans were as great a threat as ISIS, which you can hear in this clip. Yeah, you're not surprised. It's always the same people, isn't it? Those white Republican men, the very ones that just today Joe Biden warned us are more dangerous than ISIS. These are the people who've been beating up elderly Asian women in our cities. You've seen that plague unfold. These are the ones who don't believe in science, who have no decency. They're the problem. Just the other day, Joe Biden's grumpy little flack told us that she had found new ways to reach these recalcitrant mouth breathers. For those of you who watched this speech, including myself, I can safely say that what Tucker Carlson is prescribing to be Biden's words are not, in fact, his words. Biden's specific comments about Islamic terrorism and the right are specifically related to white supremacists, so it's a bit odd that Tucker Carlson seems to associate that with Republicans. This is part of the problem with the way in which politics overtakes historical analysis and public policy. If one side of the aisle makes a good point on race or history, then it stands to reason that the opposition must stand to misrepresent it or disregard it. Of course, there's also personal reasons for Carlson's opposition to anti-racist advocacy. Aside from the fact that Biden never said that it was Republicans who were the threat, the mere mention of past racism is what angers Carlson. It should not be surprising considering that Carlson has a nasty tendency of saying racist things himself, 
so any attempt to call out racism would be considered an attack on his character too. In fact, there are recordings of him making his own racist comments. Media Matters, a progressive media watchdog, actually was able to find some of these audio clips and publish them, which I will now be showing to you all. Just a warning, some of the comments are racially and ethnically insensitive. Iraq is a crappy place filled with a bunch of, you know, yeah. semi-literate primitive monkeys. But I just have zero sympathy for them or their culture, a culture where people just don't use toilet paper or forks. Hey, I gotta, I, I, and the way they treat women, you know, I, I agree with you, their, their culture is, is, but you're in their homeland. All these comments go to show that Tucker Carlson's comments about advocacy and civil rights don't really have anything to do with any of those things. So it's not really all that important to address his commentary, except to note that millions of people watch his show and he has a significant amount of influence on the dialogue in question which is all the more reason we need to seriously consider how our media affects discussion of race. I want to really emphasize the point here. Biden's speech was an attempt to address one of the worst racialized attacks in American history. The history of Tulsa does affect the way in which the city currently exists. When African American residents were forced from their homes, they were denied insurance coverage and protections from the insurance companies that were supposed to protect and fund their property should it be destroyed. To this day, some of those same companies still won't pay the descendants of the victims the coverage that these people were rightfully owed for their destroyed property and livelihoods. The only reason that some of these people don't own the Greenwood District properties is because white mobs burned them to the ground. It took 10 years for that district to be rebuilt, and today it is still being gentrified and is not fully recovered. For all intents and purposes, Tulsa is the epitome of past racist events contributing to modern racism. That's what should have been taken from that speech, but instead there's going to be a partisan fight over what happened at Tulsa and how to respond to it because of people like Tucker Carlson. Biden's speech is a step in the right direction, make no mistake about that, and I hope it is the first of many right steps towards a more equal society. But until we deal with how the right responds to these historical tragedies and how they affect us today, we are never going to have an honest conversation about what it means to be an American or to be a part of an equal society. You have to be willing to look at the past and deal with the consequences of that past in order to move forward, and people like Tucker Carlson are not going to allow that. In international news, we turn to the politics of Israel's parliament. Earlier on Wednesday, the New York Times reported that conservative, leftist, and Islamic parties within the Israeli Knesset have begun their efforts to oust the 12-year reign of Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu through a vote of no confidence. The effort is led by Netfali Bennett, a right-wing pro-settler religious Israeli politician, along with the support of several other parties. Now, the hope of this new opposition is to create a coalition across the left and the right to drive Benjamin Netanyahu out and make a new government. However, the speaker in the Knesset, a pro-Netanyahu politician, has said that he will not call a vote. He can delay this until June 14th, which pro-Netanyahu forces hope to use to press for conservatives to abandon this new coalition. It may succeed, but it is difficult to tell since Netanyahu is also under criminal charges. Overall, it appears that Netanyahu may very well be on his way out, but that is dependent upon conservatives being willing to hold true to the cause and end the corruption of their prime minister. Also, the issue of keeping a far-right leader from making more aggressive foreign policies as prime minister is going to be of great importance, but what happens next is anyone's guess. Personally, I would like to see Netanyahu removed. 
his continued aggression in the issue of Palestine and the Gaza Strip and numerous other foreign policies have left the peace process in Israel shattered. The world would be better off without a Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and peace could be much more sustainably maintained without him in power. However, that is a big if and there's no guarantee that Netanyahu will be removed from power but one can only hope. In another story of corruption, we now turn to Postmaster General Louis DeJoy, who is now being accused of violating campaign finance law. Political reported on Thursday that the Department of Justice is investigating allegations that DeJoy required his employees pay money to conservative candidates before paying them back later in bonuses in order to get around campaign finance law. According to the Washington Post report from September of 2020, DeJoy would provide bonuses to those who listened to him to give donations to candidates. Between 2000 and 2014, 124 individuals who worked for the company together gave more than $1 million to federal and state GOP candidates, per the Washington Post. This suggests that Louis DeJoy's influence over the issue was extensive. The reason I want to bring it up is to show how incredibly corrupt the system was in dealing with DeJoy. Prior to his presence in the position of Postmaster General, he made numerous donations to political candidates within the GOP and had many business connections with no government experience whatsoever. And yet, he gained this position under Trump, and nothing was done despite his straw donor schemes. It is unclear whether the investigation will go to a conviction, but this is a story that needs to get more attention as the investigation continues. If you want to be concerned about corruption in the government, this is a story for you. In our final story, we turn to Trump himself. There are new revelations about Trump's relationship with the press. Recently, the New York Times reported that the Justice Department under the Trump administration seized the phone records of several Times reporters over a period of four months in 2017. The justification for this was given as being related to an attempt to stop supposed leaks. However, Conveniently for the Trump administration, several other reporters involved in stories that put said administration on the spot were the ones being targeted by the supposed leak hunts. This included three Washington Post reporters who were involved in covering the Russia investigation. CNN reporter Barbara Starr also had her record seized from June of 2017 to July of the same year. In other words, the Trump administration was seizing the records of the press, specifically focusing on media outlets that were seen as adversarial to Trump himself. Now, I want to add another point here. Though Trump was more overt in his actions here, the Obama administration had similar problems with the press. Routinely, they had private investigators, they restricted press access, etc. It was not as overt, and I cannot emphasize that enough, but the fact of the matter is that recent presidents have increasingly attempted to restrict the power of the press to hold the government accountable. If you want a free press, it is high time to call for greater protections for that press. They are supposed to be the watchdogs of the Republic, and if you want to see that continue, we have to force that into reality against government action. That is all for today. Thank you all for listening. I hope you all enjoyed the podcast. I'll be back on Saturday. If you enjoyed, if you enjoy the podcast and all of my work, then I suggest you check out the YouTube channel. It's the same name. And feel free to share us on social media. We've recently reached 100 downloads, and it's all thanks to you. Thanks again, and have a wonderful weekend. Thank you.